0: let's hear it for friendly physics learning by listening last episode i introduced projectile motion the idea that objects don't just move in one dimension they can move down and right or up and left there is more to motion than just back and forth up and down we didn't dig all that deeply into projectile motion We stuck with the basics and really only brought in the idea of splitting up horizontal and vertical components. When we look at motion, is it important to think of horizontal and vertical motion separately? Therefore we separate their components. We used the example of a cannonball shot out of a completely horizontal cannon. The ball would travel straight, but then eventually fall downward, pulled by gravity. This is much the same motion as a pitcher throwing towards home or a paper airplane that glides through the air, but eventually falls. All of these objects fall due to gravity. It is impossible for an object to just continue on and on and on in a straight line here on Earth. Of course, places that experience less gravitational force, like the moon, would see otherwise. A baseball thrown on the moon would travel much further before hitting the ground because the force of gravity is not as strong. It would still curve down, eventually hitting the ground just as here on Earth because there is still gravity. It would just take longer. However, we don't always just move objects at a parallel to the ground. More often than not, we move them at an angle. Think about your field goal kickers on a football field or a missile being launched. These objects move up, peak, and then come down. We say that they follow a trajectory. They exhibit parabolic motion. The objects peak and then they fall. They are projectiles. There are many important things about this motion. First. Let's focus on that angled launch. Remember how last time we had to pay careful attention to the phrasing of the problem? Was the initial velocity horizontal or vertical? Last week, we talked about initial horizontal velocity. Objects launched parallel to the ground, but this week the launch is at an angle. And so the velocity can be split into horizontal and vertical components. This is where geometry and trigonometry come into play. So let's imagine that a football is kicked at a 30 degree angle from the ground with an initial velocity of 28 meters per second. The initial velocity is 28 meters per second at a 30 degree angle. Velocity is a vector, direction matters, and therefore we are able to split the velocity into horizontal and vertical components. This is done with trigonometry. Imagine a line drawn up and to the right at a 30 degree angle. Now make this line the hypotenuse of a right triangle. The hypotenuse is 28 and trigonometry can help us define the length of the other sides. The side adjacent to the 30-degree angle is horizontal. We can use sine, cosine, or tangent to help us find the magnitude of the side. Cosine theta, theta being the angle, is the ratio of the adjacent side to the hypotenuse. Cosine theta equals adjacent divided by hypotenuse. Therefore, we find the length of this adjacent side by multiplying the hypotenuse by the cosine of the angle. In this case, 28 times cosine 30, so about 24.2. The side opposite of the 30 degree angle is vertical. We use sine here. Sine theta equals opposite divided by hypotenuse. Therefore, we find the length of this side by multiplying the hypotenuse by the sine of the angle, 28 times sine of 30, which is about 14. This means that the velocity can be split into a horizontal and a vertical component. The horizontal component is 24.2 meters per second, and the vertical component is 14 meters per second. This same procedure can be applied to velocity vectors at any angle. The vertical component of the velocity vector, Vy, equals V times sine theta. And the horizontal component, Vx, equals V times cosine theta, where theta is the angle from the horizontal. Now that we have the velocity vector split, we can calculate the information about the football scenario just like we calculated information about the cannonball in the last episode. We have the same formulas that say y sub f equals y naught plus v naught t plus 1 half at squared, or xf equals x naught plus v naught t plus 1 half at squared if we are talking about horizontal motion. And then we also have the formula that says V sub F equals V naught plus A times T. If a football is kicked at a 30 degree angle with an initial velocity of 28 meters per second, how high does the football go? How far does the football go? Just as before, let's start with how high. Gravity is the limiting agent here. The ball can only travel so far before gravity pulls it down, so we need to figure out how long the ball even has to be in the air. This is where things are a little bit different. The ball's initial vertical position is on the ground. We know this about objects launching up, so y0 equals 0. However. Motion in this parabolic shape is special. The object is launching up, but it is also falling down. Where will the ball end up? What is its final vertical position? The ball ends up on the ground as well, so y sub f equals 0. We are talking vertical here, so we will need to be using our vertical components only vertical position, vertical velocity, and vertical acceleration. In this formula, y sub f equals y naught plus v not t plus 1 half a t squared. The only thing that we don't know is the time. We don't know how long it will take for the ball to launch up and then fall back to the ground. If we fill in this information, We end up with zero equals zero plus fourteen t plus one half negative nine point eight t squared. We are using fourteen as the vertical initial velocity because that is what we calculated before when we split the components. We are starting at math heavy now and end up with a quadratic equation. This one is not terrible. Factor out a t. Get something like 0 equals t parentheses 14 minus 4.8 t and your roots are 0 and 2.9. The best way to do this is to put this equation into a graphing calculator and visually see the quadratic graph out. This graph is the trajectory of the ball's motion. Your x is your time and your y is your vertical position. The ball starts on the ground at 0 seconds and reaches the ground again 2.9 seconds later. Those are the roots and graphing this is the best way to see it. But now we know that the ball hits the ground at 2.9 seconds. We still want to know how high the ball goes. There are multiple ways to do this. If you are graphing, simply identify the coordinates of the peak. If you are using the math then let's get there using physics. We want to know how high the ball is at that peak. We need to find out when that happens and we can use the simpler v sub f equals v naught plus a t formula. We have the initial vertical velocity v sub 0 equals 14. We know the acceleration Negative 9.8, and we also know the final velocity. How fast is that ball moving at its peak? In the instant that it reaches its peak, before it falls, the ball's velocity is zero, just as every launch. So, zero equals 14 plus negative 9.8t. Solve for t and we end up with 1.42 seconds. Now we head to our position formula to find out what the final position will be at that time. Y sub f equals 0 plus 14 times 1.42 plus 1/2 times times 1 half times negative 9.8 times 1.42 squared. So the final vertical position after 1.42 seconds is 9.99, or really just 10 meters. We have a lot more information about our football now. It peaks in 1.42 seconds, reaching about 10 meters in the air. It falls after a total of 2.9 seconds and hits the ground. So let's find out how far the football goes as well. How far does the ball get in 2.9 seconds? What we really want to know is the final horizontal position of the ball. So we will use x sub f equals x naught plus v naught t plus 1 half a t squared. Our initial horizontal position is best set to zero, so x naught equals zero v naught equals 24.2 we calculated this back at the beginning with 28 cosine 30 and there is no horizontal acceleration we'll talk about this later but that means that a equals zero basically x sub f equals 24.2 times 2.9 all the other terms end up as zero Put that in a calculator, and we get 70.18 meters. This means that the ball travels 10 meters into the air and lands 70.18 meters away in 2.9 seconds. Imagine how important this information is for NFL kickers, the military launching missiles, NASA sending rockets into space. Well, we are here. Let me point out a few things about this trajectory. We've talked about some of them already, but first let's focus on the peak. When an object is launched from the ground and falls back to the ground, meaning the initial and final vertical positions are the same, the time that the object takes to peak is half of that total time. This is, ha- this is much the same scenario As we discussed, when an object is launched straight up and then falls, the object takes the same amount of time to peak as it does to fall. How fast is the object moving at its peak? What is its velocity? Well, We know now that we have two components of velocity to keep track of, vertical and horizontal. So, let's look at the vertical component of velocity first. Much as we have seen in previous episodes, at the peak of its vertical motion, the object's vertical velocity is zero. The object starts moving quickly up, but that acceleration due to gravity keeps slowing the object down until it stops moving at the top of its motion. Then, as the object begins to move in the same direction as the acceleration, falling back down, the object picks up speed again. The peak is where the object's vertical velocity is zero. At the end of its motion, the magnitude of the object's vertical velocity will be equal to the magnitude of the initial vertical velocity. But what about horizontal velocity? Is that zero as well? Let's think. Is there any acceleration in the horizontal direction? No, we said that A equals zero. There is no acceleration. There's nothing applying a force here once the ball is kicked. If there is no acceleration, then the velocity cannot be changing. The object's horizontal velocity stays the same the entire time, from start to finish. And this, here is the last thing I wanna point out. Every second of the object's position can be tracked out using the y sub f and x sub f formulas. They can be plotted on a coordinate point system. If you want to know where the object is at at 1.2 seconds, plug in 1.2 is the time in the x sub f formula. That is the object's horizontal position. Plug in 1.2 is the time in the y sub f formula, and that is the object's vertical position. This can be done for any time. Next episode, we can bring force into the equation and discuss Newton's laws with an episode that is way less math heavy. I will take some time to break down the math that we used here further in the next few weeks just so that we can truly understand everything that is happening mathematically and conceptually. Thanks for listening.